Good morning. How are we? Glad you're here. Um, I'm excited about today. We're teaching through our core value series, and uh, today we're uh, going to skip ahead and teach on the core value of missional living. And um, I uh, think we have some great uh, uh, props and some people here that are going to be amazing with helping us get our minds around this concept of missional living. Our core values here at the creek are truth, and we talked about that last week and how truth is the standard, uh, or scripture is the standard for truth. The truth exists everywhere, but scripture is the authority by which we measure it. Worship uh, is a core value. It's not just what we do in the, the song set that we just came out of. Um, although that is beautiful, uh, worship is how we live our life and how our lives are to reflect the glory back to, to God. Uh, we also have a core value of community, and community is that which uh, people who collectively agree or disagree over something come together. Here at the creek, we collectively come together uh, under the name of Jesus. I understand that different people are at different places on that journey, um, but we come together to unite under the name of Jesus. We see that community played out in different ways, uh, whether that's uh, around food. Uh, Christians and food go together really well. Um, so we, we gather around food, we gather around uh, things that, that drive in the dirt and drive on rocks, and uh, we gather with things that drive fast on concrete and pavement too, which is uh, why we have the car out front. Um, but we have uh, our fourth value is missional living, and that is living the mission of the gospel. It is, it is doing what we're created to do with what God has done with our life. I mean, he, He's created us for purpose, and we're going to interview a couple guys I want to introduce to you and some, some families that we have uh, as guests here at the creek. Uh, before we get to that, I'm going to embarrass my daughter. I want to say, hi, honey. I'm glad to have you home from Canada hey? and her boyfriend, Tom. Um, <laughs> thank you for being here. Uh, those of you who know that uh, a major part of my heart lives in Canada, goes to school and uh, lives and works and, and does life in Canada. So I am a happy, happy happy man to have my girl home and have all my family together. Uh, it does my heart good. Um, some other family, I've just adopted them. Uh, as you get to know me, you just know you're just part of the family. And uh, that's just what we do around here, you know. Uh, but uh, uh, you guys are, are going to be uh, in for a treat. But I want to introduce some people to you um, and have them come up. Uh, George, uh, come on up here, George. Um, this is George Delgado um, with Kingdom Racing, his wife. Martin, why don't you come on up here? Martin Plowman is driver number 17. And his girlfriend, Nicole, and I'm just grateful for them in here. Martin, your parents are over here. They're, they're, they're hiding from us in this service. Martin's parents are here today. Thank you. Welcome. Thank you for sharing your son with us. Um, Joe Peterson is here from Snowball Express, Kingdom Racing, and just you have your hands in all of it. So I love, love you. Thank you for being here, Joe. Um, We'll go ahead and, and have a seat. I think there's a microphone there for you. Yeah, let's go ahead and have a seat. I just want to have a little bit of conversation. Uh, the first service was, was good, and I think we, we were able to share with them uh, some of the things. Yeah, I know. I might have just really wrecked it. Uh, um, so, yeah, uh, we'll just trust God to make it great. Um, so if you don't like it, listen to the first service online. Um, that's the one we'll put up for you. Uh, but, I, I, George, I, I want to talk with you and, and, and Martin a little bit about uh, just what you get to do is so cool. Um, it, you know, 
I, I'm a spectator on the outside, and you know, I'm a, I'm a guy, so anything shiny and fast is and loud is uh, is just amazing. And uh, so I was actually trying to figure out, Martin, what's it like driving down the road after you get out of a race car? I mean, <laughs> I'm not really the person you should ask. You should ask maybe Nicole. Yeah. <laughs> is she your navigator? Um, she is my emergency staff. Stop! <laughs> you have one too. I do. <laughs> I mean, obviously, you know, uh, racing is racing, and, ro- and driving on the road is another thing. And I, I, I respect the road and never do anything that I deem dangerous or of the kind. But obviously, my li- limits are much higher than, than the average driver. And, and for Nicole, who is the <laughs> average thing. driver, does not understand what, you know, I, I'm in control. I said, no, I've got it, I've got it, don't worry. That's a guy thing, really. Our braking threshold is much different from a from uh, the women's uh, gender, uh, we'll say. <laughs> it's that um, aggression, that yeah, testosterone. it is, you know, um, and it's, it's exciting. Um, and uh, I, I tend to think if everyone drove like I did, we wouldn't have the traffic issues in DFW we would have. But There'd be no a, cars on the road. We'd all be in the, in the repair shop. That's right, that's right. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, I, I explained to Martin the accountability that I have on my vehicle with the Marine Creek Church sticker. Um, he has one on his car, too, now. Uh, I t- <laughs> I gave him permission to take it off for the next race because he is going to have to get a little more aggressive than I get on the road. Um, but uh, thank you for putting the sticker on the car, and thank you for being here. And, and uh, uh, you, uh, you drive with Kingdom Racing and, and, and are a part of that team. And, George, why don't you share with us real quick just about how, um, how you came into this uh, relationship with Christ but how he opened this vision. I mean, it's a pretty big vision. So why don't you share that with us real, real quickly? Well, well thank you. The, um, really honored to be here and have this chance to spend some time and, and share our story and have some fellowship with, with you. Uh, you know, it just we're all believers. We're all on this. Uh, we're on the same team. And uh, Kingdom Racing is a story about God and how God uses ordinary people to really do extraordinary things. Uh, I came to Christ in 2001, uh, rather late in my life, and uh, I accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, and then spent the first three years of um, just being spoon-fed the Word and being a baby Christian, at, uh, primarily at Second Baptist Church in Houston. Dr. Ed Young, pastor, and um, after this, you know, three years went by, and then I came to that, you know, cross in the road that every Christian comes to, is that suddenly I realized how God had impacted my life, all of the blessings that he had given me, how he had really taken care of my family, we had gone through a really tough time, and uh I just came to that point and said, oh, God, how, what can I do for you? And it was really, what can I, a nobody, do for you, the Almighty? And that's one of the mysteries of God is that he wants our relationship. He wants us to reach for him. And then um, at that point, I prayed you know, I prayed that prayer. What can I do for you? And I, I caution everyone. <laughs> you know, if you pray that prayer, be ready. 
fasten your seatbelt. <laughs> in racing, Martin uses a six-point harness. It's yeah. tight. You better have that on because Absolutely. you're going to be ready for vertical takeoff. <laughs> because to dare to dream God's dream is one of the most powerful things that can happen. I had done, I, I thought I was a moderately successful businessman. I'd done a few things. It was all right. But in the end, it was just kind of crummy. And then God got hold of me with this vision, and um, the doors started opening. I had no connection to racing other than having been a uh, just very much of a fan. My dad used to take me to the Indy 500 when I was a little boy and uh, went to a lot of motor races. I always loved the Indy car, the open wheels. And, uh, but I had no name, no resources, no context, nothing. And I said, God, I can't do this. And it was, oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> but I can. <laughs> and that's why God chooses us, nobodies. And throughout, in the Bible, they're all nobodies. They're rejects. Mm -hmm. God does not choose the qualified. He qualifies the chosen. That's right. Right. And doors opened. And, you know, this was uh, five years, six years ago now. And... Um, one thing happened after another. The associations came in. The coincidental connections came in. And here there's Joe Peterson. There's Charles West. There's Mark Plowman. Yeah. There's Martin. There's Davey Hamilton. They all came together and just continued to advance this ministry, which we know that God's hand is on it. And this team, it's about... It's kingdom, his kingdom, kingdom racing. It's not Joe racing, George racing, Martin racing. Right. It's his kingdom. Absolutely. And and I love that, that you just stepped out there with that. that to people who don't understand, it's, it looks like a really stupid decision. Um, but when you know God has said, this is what I want you to do, you can't, you can't not do it. I mean, you, it takes more power to, re, to hold yourself back from doing it than to just submit yourself and say, okay, God, here it is. Um, you've got a big vision, and, and I love that no connections in motorsports, which, you know, it, it's even hard for most spectators to get a ticket to a race, <laughs> much less to get in and minister to it. Um, but uh, share with your vision. I mean, one million men. Uh, is what you want to see come to Christ through this. And, and talk about how that, what that looks like. Thank you. Well, it's often, my, especially my daughter, she says, uh, why is it one million men? And uh, <laughs> it should be women, too. And I said, well, no, Christina, you know, it's the men who cause the damage, if we think about it. How much damage in the world? I know I've, I've been one. Me too. Ladies, don't elbow so, your husband. Um, <laughs> so if we, you know, if we can get a million men, we're, you know, the blessings and the generations that will impact, you know, that, that's, that'll be just in, incredible. But also, on the other hand, even if it's just one, yeah. you know, even if we just impact one person, that's, that person's eternity is worth it all. And, uh, well, our vision is right now we're a part-time race team. Mm -hmm. We have limited resources. So for the past five years, we have been selective in, our, in the races that we can, we can participate in. This year, 
with Martin, we had three races, very important. But in, um, in the past few years, we've also been concentrating on the Indianapolis 500. And um, what we do at Indianapolis is what we want to do at all of the other races once the resources come in and when God says the timing is right. Yeah. And, and that is that we have a race festival on the infield. And uh, we're there for this race festival, we bring in some of the leading Christian artists. Uh, we have uh, show cars like like Martin's car here, demonstrators, uh, and plus we bring in drivers and personalities, sports personalities uh, that come in and give their testimony. And this way we can really extend God's word to the grandstands and the infields. Absolutely. There's hundreds of thousands, tens of thousands of people that are going to races, most of which are on Sunday. Most of those people... It, pretty good bet that they're not going to church that day. So we're like the first century church. Yeah. We're going to them where the masses are. Absolutely. And we're having God is going to touch them where they're going. And we give them what they want to see, race cars, Absolutely. race drivers. But then we use that venue of the culture to extend it and have an opportunity to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Absolutely. Thank you for being faithful to that vision um, and that ministry. Uh, another connection in all of this is Kingdom Racing, uh, Martin, and Snowball Express. Um, talk to us about Snowball Express and how that kind of fits into this puzzle. Uh, Snowball Express is a, is a charity for uh, children of fallen military heroes. Um, now, I got connected to Snowball through, through Joe, and of course... Um, Kingdom and Snowball go hand in hand. Um, obviously, like uh, George said, racing is a tool. We go out there and have fun, but it's not about us. It's you know, it's about the kingdom and about giving back the blessings that we've received. Now, most of these kids have lost a mom, or in most cases, you know, a father, and they're all hurting. They're, they're all feeling a massive loss. So we're going to use this as a program, as a tool, to reach out to these kids and to to give them a good experience and to help them rebuild and try and fill it in that void. You know, one of the phrases we use here at the Creek is me too. Um, that when someone is going through a hard time and a, and a hurt uh, or a struggle, um, there is someone who has been through that as well. And um, you went into schools on Thursday and got to, to make heroes out of boys and girls who lost a parent in, in the war. Um, I think just to extend on that, you know, when a, a kid loses his father, you know, the, the whole school, his friends, they don't know that he's, that their friend is suffering or has lost a father. You know, they're suffering this battle alone. So by going into these schools, you know, we, uh, we I say we make a hero of them. We, uh, we make them the star for the day. We take them outside with the classes and put them in the car and all their friends' eyes are on this little kid. Um... So then all of a sudden, it, it becomes aware to the whole class, oh, this, you know, Billy's lost his dad. And then all of a sudden, he's surrounded by a support system that's going to then help him Absolutely. to recover. And there may be other kids in that school that looks at him and says, you know what, me too. I lost a mom or I've lost a dad. Um, this week, you kind of hit, came into a, uh, a reality of loss. Um, so you can talk to these kids and say, me too. And you, you lost a close friend of yours. Um, it's been a, 
an emotional week. Talk to me about the process of that. I mean, um, from leaving Las Vegas. And, uh, George, we were talking Kingdom wasn't even going to go to Las Vegas because you weren't on the schedule to race. And how God, through God's uh, sovereign power, Kingdom Racing was there, and it turned out to be much more than a race. And then the events of this week. Um, talk to us yeah. about kind of the emotional roller coaster of that. It was really weird. I mean, you know, I, I didn't really want to be there either. Um, I wasn't racing that weekend. There was no real reason for me to be there. There was no known business reasons for me to be there because normally you go to a track when you're not racing and mingle and meet sponsors and that kind of thing. But there's no one on the agenda for me to meet, so it was just like, what am I doing? Well, I race track, I'm not even racing, and I just didn't really want to be there. But you know, Nicole said, you know, you've got to go, and something was telling me to go. And if I am there and I'm not racing, I'm always watching from the pit lane. But this time I was watching from the media center, you know, well away from the action. And then you know, Dan's accident happened, and uh, just walking around the pit lane afterwards, it was kind of like a shining light in the middle of darkness, all these people that are one minute fighting, you know, an internal war of beating each other. And the next you know, they're all, you know, uh, consoling each other and, and pulling together as, as a family and brothers of God. Mm. And, they put, and God puts you right in the middle of that. Um, I love uh, the humility. I, I, I've met Martin and, and the team this morning and the humility that exists. Um, you're in a sport where... Uh, it is ego-driven a lot of times. Um, it's very competitive. And a lot of us try to <laughs> wrestle with the idea, well, Christians should submit and just let people roll over us. Um, I'm grateful that, that um, you, you are that light in a world that, to show that being a, a follower of Christ is, is manly, um, that Jesus is not. He, we don't sissify Jesus. He's, he's the men among boys. And uh, um, they know that's my soapbox here. Um, yeah, I, I don't get into a lot of things, but when we make Jesus out to be less than, than who he really is, um, but he is, he, he placed you in that. And I'm, I'm so grateful and thankful for your humility, for the vision God's called you to. Um, and for, you know, you do great things on the track and you do great things to, to make things happen on the track. Um, but you do so much off the track. And I think that's what makes the impact. Um, that's what makes your ministry so uh, unique, uh, so vital to to that area. Um, how can we pray for pray for you guys? I think um, obviously right now in the aftermath is just to to pray for Susie, obviously who's mourning the loss of you know her husband and soulmate, um, the two little boys, Sebastian and Oliver, who are. You know, great little kids, obviously, you know, not going to see their father for a while, anyway. Um, mm-hmm. And then just, you know, the entire, you know, IndyCar community who are feeling feeling that loss right now. Yeah. George, how can we pray for, for Kingdom Racing? When we go to these tracks and we see all these people that are that come and, and it, are in the stands and they're they've come to you know see the excitement of a of a spectacle motor racing spectacle and i just pray that you know i'd ask for prayers that they also have that door open so that they can meet 
Jesus and that, that we can touch them in a credible way for Christ and show the you know just be countercultural to the perception of what Christianity is that Christianity being a true Christian is being a radical it's being empowered it's exciting it's challenging it's not conforming right. and it's just in just in the face of criticism and being ridiculed and that you're fine with that but you're just going forward with what God's plan is for your life. Yeah. So to have the courage to persevere. Absolutely. Well, I want to do something a little different. I, I, all the men, since their goal, their vision is to reach a million men for Christ. I want all of our men to come up. We'll gather around, but let's, let's pray over them. Um, and ladies, I'm not minimizing you in any way because I understand that behind every man is an amazing woman. Um, and so if you would just reach out your hands. Um, but I, I want the men of our church to pray together. And uh, I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And we're going to pray for kingdom racing. We're going to pray for, for Martin. And we're going to pray for Snowball Express. And, and for God just to continue to just explode this ministry and make his name known and famous in our world. Father, we thank you so much. Uh, thank you for kingdom racing. Thank you for Martin. Uh, thank you for Snowball Express. And God, for, for vision and how you... Uh, have given such an amazing vision uh, to reach uh, men for Christ. And we know that as those men become the spiritual leaders and, and the, the mature men of God that you have called them to be, that their families are impacted, their wives are impacted, their children are impacted, society is impacted uh, because, God, you put things back in a rightful order. And so we just pray for uh, the ministry. We pray and thank you for looking back and amongst all the times where uh, there was unknowns and you opened doors, where there was no way and you had to make the way, you were faithful. And so, Father, we thank you for your faithfulness, even when we're not. And we thank you that you have a vision and that you have a calling that you've placed on, a, on George's heart and a ministry. And we thank you that you are the provision for that ministry. Uh, you do take care of what you want accomplished in your kingdom. I thank you for Martin's heart, his humility. He does so many great things on the track, so many great things that, that can make his name known. But Father, as I've met him and known his heart this morning, his desire is to make your name known. So thank you for his humility, that everything you have gifted him and blessed him with, he gladly lays at your feet for your glory and your honor. We thank you for Snowball Express, for, for people who are willing to stop and say, you know, I can take care of those who are hurting. I can take care of someone who's lost a father and a mother. I can use the giftings and abilities and the talents that you have given us to make kingdom impact and to make eternal impact for your glory. God, I thank you that, that there are no egos that drive in, in what is going on, but that it is true humility. I pray for amazing blessings over these ministries. I pray for safety over Martin. I pray that you continue to just increase his ability and uh, increase his humility. And so, Father, we love you. We trust you. We thank you that you called each and every one of us to, to great things for the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. <laughs> thank you, Martin. Give me a hug, man. Um, and then I'm going to have you back up at the end of service.
Thank you so much. Give them a hand, please. Um, all right. I can't let a day go by. We got some teaching to do. And uh, if you've got your Bible, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And uh, you can leave this one up here because we're going to sit and chat for a minute. Um, but 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I want to kind of dive into this uh, idea of uh, missional living and what it looks like for our lives to be uh, lived out with purpose and living this mission of the gospel. And uh, the Apostle Paul does a beautiful job explaining to us. I mean, we know through the Great Commission we taught on a couple weeks ago, Matthew 28, that Jesus said, go into the world and make disciples. What he's saying is in your going, as you live your life, as you do what I've called you to do, and the way that you move through life, make disciples. And so it really comes down to this this idea that we do our part and God does his. There's a partnership going on. There's a connection happening. And uh, Paul uh, one, of the, one of the guys of New Testament wrote, most of the New Testament is called to go start churches, to go share the gospel, and to plant and share this message uh, of hope. As we're going to see, it's called the message of reconciliation. So I want us to spend some time understanding what it looks like in our life to live missionally. Uh, we all have different missions. I love the mission of kingdom racing because it is kingdom-centered. It is, it is gospel-centered. Um, it is focused on reaching people for the glory of God, the kingdom of God. I mean, we get, we get really wrapped up in building our own kingdoms. And, and you know what that looks like because we spend a lot of time in our world building our own kingdom. And it becomes very easy to fall back into. It, it, we tend to think living missionally as a church or as a people or as a, a community, that it means that we go out and, and all of our focus is to help the oppressed or to, to help the poor, the broken, and the marginalized, and that's a piece of it. But there's something that happens in, in a person that when they come into this relationship with Christ, when they get to that point of saying, God, I'm tired of being my own Lord. Everything that I've chased is empty. Solomon says it's like chasing after the wind. And we come to that point and we lay it all before God and say, I am yours. Um, Paul writes in, in 1 Corinthians, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, he says, Therefore, if anyone is, anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. What happens is when we give our life over, we submit ourselves into the kingdom of heaven, and we accept that sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross for us, there's something that happens. There's a transformation. Yeah, this is a great coffee cup verse, but let's make it real that we have been reborn. There's been a regeneration inside of our being. And something happens in the heart of a human in this process and experience that says, I have a desire to live outside of myself. And we begin this process. Let's pick it up here. Um, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Verse 18. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ. I, I want to stop and understand a little bit of this process of reconciliation. Um, reconciliation is going out and intentionally teaching uh, the gospel. Now, we see this done in many different kind of ways. 
uh, we've probably been put off by some of the ways we've seen it done. Um, You have heard me talk about my experience in downtown Fort Worth of almost being arrested, that when someone gets in my face and tells me I'm going to hell, um, we're not starting off a relationship on the right foot. Um, That's the way I I am. Um, uh, I heard one pastor say the best way to start sharing the gospel is to make real the threat of hell. Uh, so you got to lead in with hell. And I don't see that. I don't, I don't get that. Uh, I don't read in Scripture where Jesus started his earthly ministry and started beating on a podium and saying, you're going to hell, you know? Now let me help you. You know, it, I don't see that. I'm not minimizing hell. I'm not minimizing the reality of hell. Hell stands as a monument to how dark and, and how sin separates us from God. But I don't think we start with that. I think we start with what reconciliation is, that we've been reconciled through Christ. That means somewhere, at some point, things were in the right order. If you think of the word reconciled, it means we're getting back to something that was right. And so I think the the most valid place to begin is Genesis 1 and 2. I mean, that's where God started. God didn't say, in the beginning, I created hell for people who choose to reject me. No, he talked about the beauty of the world. He talked about the rightness of the world, how things worked in harmony, how there was was all of this without the, the junk that comes with it. There was food without the gluttony. You can see I struggle there. Profile. I look like Alfred Hitchcock when I stand sideways. We had the food without the gluttony, the sex without the lust, worship without idolatry. Everything was in its right order. And when Christ came and through the cross, he is reconciling that back to what is right and what is good. If you think about it, it is putting things back in harmony with God. That at some point, this longing in our soul seeks for the things eternal. It's what Solomon said in 3.11, Ecclesiastes 3.11, is that he has set eternity in the hearts of man. There is that eternal longing that we're all created with. In the depths of our being, we remember the garden. We long to have that, that relationship back and that harmony back with God where things are right. And Christ came to reconcile that. Through the cross, he reconciled us to God through himself. And what he's doing is he's putting that back in the rightful order. Now, that doesn't mean that when you become a Christ follower, reborn, regenerate, Christian, however you want to say it, it doesn't mean that you live in this perfect, blissful life. If that's the case, you're going to be blissfully ignorant because there's a lot of life that happens. And the reality of following Christ means we may walk through harder things than if we weren't following Christ. I'm not trying to turn you off of following Jesus, but you need to understand that he does not make everything easy for you. This harmony, this reconciliation doesn't bring us back to the garden. What it does is it fulfills that longing and aching deep within our soul that says that longing and aching that you have been trying to fill with a temporal that can only be filled with eternal things is off. And that reconciliation brings fulfillment back to what your soul longs for. 
And the aching, instead of trying to fill it with everything around us, that aching then becomes to know more and more and more of Jesus, to follow him more closely, to understand more about his life, to know what it looks like in my life to follow Jesus. That's what reconciliation brings, that something was broken and God has made it right. And through the cross, that can become a reality. Let me read on. The rest of the text is going to deal with what happens as a result of this reconciliation. I'm going to reread 18. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That was God reconciling us to the world and to himself in Christ. How did he reconcile us? He did it this way, not counting men's sins against them. And as he committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. What he's saying is, you have this message. There's reconciliation for a purpose. You become an ambassador to the kingdom of heaven. God doesn't just reconcile us. God doesn't just save us. You know, we, we, we kind of abuse this term saved. Uh, it's not as though at the age of 14, God saved me and put me on his mantle and said, that's Matt, I saved him. Isn't that nice? It's a great story. God saves us for purpose. He pulls us out of of a life that is empty and void of purpose, gives us that purpose and says, you have a ministry now. You have a message of reconciliation. I've given you an outlet with which to give that message. And now you are an ambassador to go and deliver that message to your world. Ambassadors are very focused. God uses us in very focused ways to go into our world to preach the gospel. And here's what brings it all together. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Okay, the message of reconciliation is this. You've been separated from what's eternal and he's come to reconcile that. He's come to fix that. All of the, the, the internal wiring that you have that is eternal is not connected. And it's only through Christ that that gets connected. There, there's so much beauty in this concept and this message. And God entrusts that to us. And I, I don't know if you ever feel a little overwhelmed by that. I do. I, I will pray, God, I'm a mess. I'm willing to get honest with God because you know this with God, there's no secrets, right? I mean, he knows all, sees all. I mean, I don't confess something that I'm struggling with to God and he goes, oh my goodness. Never saw that one come. No, no, there are no secrets. So I can get brutally honest with God. And I will tell you, it's, I, I think it's not for God's benefit that I get honest with him, it's for mine. Because I walk away from that prayer time and I have just unloaded it. But, but I'm struck with the reality of how much of a mess I am. And that God gives me this message, that he puts me in this place and he's called me to do this. And, and I get to take this message of reconciliation to the world. 
just like I'm a mess, we all are a mess. And God trusts us with this. He reconciles the mess. It's kind of like this, God, I'm a mess. He goes, yes, but if you let me reconcile you, I can make it a beautiful mess. And I can do something greater than you could ever imagine through your mess. Because a lot of times our mess is what he uses to minister to other people. Have you ever, you ever thought back on that? When you go through something and you're like, oh, that's why. Okay, God just connected my mess to help somebody else get out of mess. That's the beauty of how God works. It's like a mosaic. It takes broken pieces and makes a beautiful picture. All of us are broken pieces and he's making something beautiful. And he's reconciled us for that. Um, what I want to do um, is in understanding this, that we are the righteousness of God is this messy idea. There's a lot with that. It's all the righteousness and holiness of God has been given through the cross. To me, that, that blows my mind because I tend to look in the mirror and I see, yes, I see the Alfred Hitchcock uh, sideline. I see that uh, the fall has occurred and that there is gluttony with food. Um, that there is results of sin. But through the cross, God sees me as righteous and holy. Not Matt's righteousness and holiness, God's righteousness and holiness. That when we stand before God, he sees his righteous son. I mean, have you, have you let that sink in with you? That when God looks at you, he doesn't see our sin when he looks at us through the reconciled, relationship in the blood of Jesus, that he looks at us and goes, that's my righteous son. That's my righteous daughter. I think we need to understand this. I think that begins to help us understand why or how God will call someone who's a mess to do something so significant. It's incredible. Um, And so we've been reconciled and given this message. I just want to chat for a little bit about what this ministry looks like. Um, because it's going to be different for every one of us. Um, we get to hear uh, how very exciting different ministries are. Um, Kingdom Racing, and, and, and Martin gets to do an incredible thing. The things that Snowball Express gets to see. Uh, Joe, as he explains it to me, gets choked up. And I'm sitting there on the phone getting choked up because I know the impact that it's making. And I start thinking, if only I could have that clear of a definition of what my ministry is or is about, and, and I, I could just follow that wholeheartedly, life would be easier. Um, or if I could just, you know, figure this out. I, and I've talked with a lot of you going, I just wish I knew what it was God wanted me to do with my life. You know, here's the best thing I can tell you. He wants you to live in faithful obedience to following him first. When we get that down, he's going to lead us into other things. And we're going to look back and go, that was really cool. Um, We all have different abilities and skill sets. But I will tell you that no matter what your skill set is, your ministry is reconciliation. Everything that you do, every uh, wiring that God has put in you, every spiritual gift that you possess is for kingdom purpose, is for the ministry of reconciliation. You know, the third Thursday night, we have a group of people that go to Agape Meals and sit and have dinner with the homeless. And they, they help them feel normal. They sit around a table with linens and have a family-style dinner. And people say, well, that's the gift of hospitality. Yes, but it fits under the gift of reconciliation, the ministry of reconciliation. Last Christmas, um, 
76 kids from a school weren't going to get Christmas. And you said, we're going to do something about it. That's the gift of generosity, yes, but it's also the ministry of reconciliation. This Christmas, we're going to do the same thing. We're going to blow a school away with how much our small community can meet the needs of the less fortunate. Next Saturday, we're going to love on our community by giving them insanely stupid amounts of candy. (laughs) But that's the ministry of reconciliation. You know, the church is called to this ministry, but you as an individual have been called to. I'm convinced that the more you try to professionalize the ministry of reconciliation, the more you rob it of its power. And let me explain what I mean in that. You can't program this ministry. Now, we have things that we do, but you can't program it because every one of us live and work and play in different spaces. We live in different neighborhoods. We work in different work environments. Our bank accounts say different things when we log on. When my, when my daughter's home, it says a lot uh, less things. <laughs> Love you, baby. Um, but we can't program this because it is where we do life. And God has given us this ability and this amazing opportunity in our area. And, and I'm convinced of this. We tend to get compartmentalized in our faith. We try to think, well, I have my faith on Sundays, you know, and, and when somebody asks, we try to talk up, yeah, it's really cool. We got, I go to church in a daycare, but that's about the extent, you know, um, and we compartmentalize so much of who we are. Uh, we, we have this where we play, this where we work, this neighborhood we live in. Uh, we do things in the backyard so we don't have to interact with our neighbors. You know, I, I, we, we just squash everything down. We are the most entertained generation and yet the most bored generation in human history. It's because we've compartmentalized everything. And we look to, we, we want to be a part of the epic. Let's just say it that way. Let's be honest. We want to be a part of the epic romance where the, the, the amazing kiss happens at the right time as the credits roll. We want to be the one that crosses the finish line right just a hair in front of the other. We want to be the guy who hits the, the grand slam in the bottom of the ninth with two outs and you win the game. That's the epic I'm talking about. But God has called us to the ordinary that as we live our life and breathe and move, let's glorify him and do the work of our ministry. Let's quit compartmentalizing and let's get out. Uh, I realized how guilty I am of that this week. My neighbor knocked on my door and his neighbor had knocked on his door. His wife had stopped breathing. And he's frantic. We need a pastor. And uh, sadly, as I'm walking into this house of chaos, I'm asking them to brief me on their names, not what's going on. And as I'm walking in, I'm trying to think his name, her name. And God really convicted me of this is your area that I've called you to do life in and you don't even know your neighbors. And today, my neighbor has to unplug the life support for his wife. 
God has called me to be in that situation with a ministry of reconciliation. I don't know what your areas look like. I don't know what your life looks like. But I know this, that when God calls us, amazing things happen. That when we open our hands and see everything that we have through a kingdom lens, when I see my bank account through a kingdom lens, when I see my family, my home, the cars that I drive, my job through a kingdom lens, life changes. It becomes much more free because you realize, man, I'm, I'm walking in harmony with God in the life he's created for me and life is getting changed. And so my my challenge to you, and you've got to wrestle with this, because I can't answer this question for you, but what does your ministry of reconciliation look like? What does it look like? You've got to define it for your home. You've got to define it for your work, your neighborhood, your school, whatever it is you live life. But I'm convinced of this. When we get our hands off of our stuff, and see things from a kingdom perspective, and we understand that it's our obligation to take the message of reconciliation to our world, we come with a brand new focus. Let's pray. Father, we love you, and uh, we thank you so much for the cross and the reconciliation that happens as a result of the cross. And God, I know some of us in this room are, are... living life out of harmony with you. And and we're trying to take a message of reconciliation without being reconciled ourselves. And you 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 know who is where in dealing with what, God. I just, I just ask that as you're working on all of our hearts, that if there's anyone who is out of harmony with you and that, that connection of eternal value has not been made or reconciled, that I pray that you begin to work on their heart now. Give them the courage to say, God, I, I, I'm not in harmony with you. I am a mess. God, give them the humility to say, you are how I am reconciled. And I invite that reconciliation. I'm tired of living life as my own king, my own boss. I'm making you Lord and Savior. God, I'm tired of seeing myself as a disorganized, out of balance mess. I want to be seen as the righteousness, your righteousness. And that's only through the cross. And so I trust that I am reconciled because you put all of our sin, my sin, on Jesus so that deep fulfillment could be a reality. Father, we thank you for the reconciliation through the cross. It's only by the cross. And we thank you that you've trusted us with this message And so we ask now for your strength, your courage, your sensitivity to know when to speak and when to shut up. As we live our life, may we do it all for the glory of God. And may we truly be amazing ambassadors of reconciliation to the world in which we live, work, and play. And we love you so much. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.